turn in our Bibles to Numbers, Numbers chapter 16, verse 3. Numbers chapter 16 and verse 3. I already know that there are some <laughs> incorrect verses in the slides, um, and I didn't have time to get back and change them, so good, good luck, Jose, keeping up with <laughs> That's the advantage of having a 9 o'clock service. I can see where it's going to go wrong in the 11. Ryan, good to see you, man. Good morning. Good morning. But uh, man, we're going we're gonna to get through this together and it is, it's a unique message. Honestly, it's really specifically just for this time. Uh, I felt like the Lord uh, laid it on my heart uh, within the last couple weeks. And uh, so I hope it, it translates to that. Oh, that's hot. Yep, that's a fresh one. Woo, <laughs> burned a few taste buds. Um, but it's, uh, yes, I, I hope that this uh, hits home during this season. I believe it's what the Lord has for us. I'm going to pray one more time. Uh, will you pray in your hearts that God will do something and that he'll move and, and give you what you need from this message? Father, we love you. Uh, we're here submitting ourselves to your Holy Spirit. We ask that he would move, that he would instruct, that he would teach. Father, a, a timely message, something that we all need from your eternal word, your timeless word. And so, Father, we pray that it would make a change in Jesus' name. Amen. Number 16, verse number 3. The title of the message is Why Gather? You can jump back to that title real quick. Why, why Gather? A closer look into the church. Um, man, in, in this season where we have been forced to separate, forced to isolate, forced to uh, shelter in place, right? For good reason. Um, but uh, while we are able and, and as things open back up in some places more than others, um, we, we need to use this time to uh, really re not just rethink, but adjust our mentality. You know, you know what I mean? When God leads you into a season, and then when you come out on the backside of that season, you're like, man, I took some things for granted. Anybody track with me on that? I, I took some things, right, for granted, and... And when that happens, it's a miss if we just plow right through. It's a miss if we, we just uh, don't come up for air, so to speak, and we just go right through that problem, and we don't reevaluate and reconsider uh, those areas where we took it for granted to hopefully mitigate that next season that we go into. Uh, so as I thought, like, man, have we taken the gathering of the church for granted? Have we in this moment, uh, as we begin to come back, can we look back before COVID and see that we were really soaking every last bit of it up? Or are we really just in this moment going, yeah, I just can't wait to get back. I just can't wait. Well, chances are, if you just can't wait to get back, if you just can't wait to jump back into routine, you're going to jump back into the same problems, the same pitfalls, the same things that you took for granted before the gathering ever stopped. And that's what I want to avoid. That's why we pull up. And I want nothing more than to jump into another book and, and study. And I've been reading a few. Uh, I don't necessarily have clarity where the Lord's going to lead me to go next. Uh, maybe Revelation. Been reading a little bit there. Uh, and I'd love to just let all of you down with your preconceived prophecy notions. But anyway, I don't know if we'll have time, with, time for that. But uh, anyway, so before we get there, I'm going to take some time and, and just really reevaluate these things that are such a big deal that we take for granted. Why do we come to church? Why do we gather? Is it just the best? This is just the cool, this is why the cool kids are doing it. 
right? I mean, this is what we do. We, we have this building that's big enough that the fire marshal says occupancy uh, 88, right? And so that's what we can gather to and we can do it within uh, the confines of the law and we can come together and when we're together we can hear each other sing and we can encourage each other and, and it just makes the most sense, right? And, and that's where the pastor can pitch his vision and collect money and it just makes sense. That's why we do it, right? I mean, we just have thought through church and gathering just makes sense. Not really. Uh, it wasn't really like a meeting of the minds where we just really figured, well, if we do it this way, we can take advantage of X, Y, and Z. It's not really a plan that we came up with. And I think most of us, we really just approach it once again from this place that we take for granted uh, how it was designed and how this was orchestrated from the beginning. So why gather? Now's a great time. Thank you for asking. I want to show you from scripture why we gather. All right. Number 16, verse 3, and they, what's the next word? Gathered. Wow. All right, here we go. I'm going to take this moment while you uh, look up at the screen, and I'm going to take a sip here. Oh, my goodness. I'm just rolling right along. You guys are dismissed. Go have fun. Go have fun. You guys don't want to stay and hang out? I'm like, nope. 13, 13 churches, way more fun. <laughs> He's like, yup. Thanks, Roy. Appreciate it. Love you, bro. Amen. Now that they're gone, number 16, 3, and they, say it with me, gathered. They gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And they said, uh, and they said unto them, ye take too much upon you, seeing all the, what's the next word? Congregation are holy. Every one of them, and the Lord is among you, wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the what? The congregation of the Lord. So we're coming out of like post-exilic studies here, and we've done a lot of framing over the last few, few months as far as the Jews and where this fits right in the context. And we've talked about how Numbers specifically is a book that is about the children of Israel going through the wilderness, right? So we see them in their state of going through the consequences of their sin. They're gathering. They're coming together. They are viewed as a congregation of the Lord. Numbers 20, verse, verse 4, just a, a few chapters later. And why have ye brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness? That we and our cattle should die there. And, and I'm not going to get into each verse. This is a topical message. I'm not going to deep dive. I want to, uh, but I'm not going to. I'm going to try to stay up above on the, the topic here. Uh, but we understand that they were wrong and they were, you know, murmuring and complaining. But the point is here in this story is that they were a congregation of the what? Of the Lord. They were seen as a collective group that gathered together, that came together, and that did life together. Deuteronomy 31, verse 30. And Moses spake in the ears of all the congregation of Israel the words of this song until they were ended. We see it over and over and over again. I'm just giving a few examples, uh, just a few highlights that this is something that took place among God's first chosen people. I ran this whole sermon through Miss Cindy. It's theologically correct. I promise. She approved it, uh, our resident theologian. And, and she affirms the fact by her head nods in the 9 a.m. service that they were the first congregation, and they met and they gathered. Uh, they did. And, and we can now observe that what God began through his first chosen people 
he is going to continue through his church. But we can confidently connect this type of behavior to the children of Israel. Isn't that crazy? Like gathering in the, the congregation of the Lord. So, Pastor Matt, this just isn't the way you felt like organizing the order of service and you just thought it was best. Not, not really. I mean, yes, there are a lot of things that we do by tradition, but ultimately from a first tradition where the people of God were seen as a congregation and a gathering of God's people to do godly things, right? So this is something that we can confidently, I feel like, connect. And here, here's another thing that, that we're doing here through this message, congregation, gathering these words in the text that were Hebrew, will translate then to Greek words as the Bible becomes translated. Uh, and then we, we see these first century Christians, uh, these Jews that would have understood it, that understood it in its context, then use new of their day Greek words like ekklesia to define a church's uh, gatherings, assemblies coming together with the same thoughts in mind that they had from the beginning. So these words carry the same connotation. And I'm also going to throw you a curveball here in just a couple minutes um, with them using that word as applied to secular gatherings as well. And then we're going to, you're going to be like, where are you going with this? And I'll probably, it will seem like I don't know. Uh, and then maybe three quarters of the way through the message, it will become clear. And then we will finish and go home in 25 minutes. Okay, you got it? Good. All right, let's take the rest of the journey. So we can confidently connect this type of behavior to the children of Israel. But let us understand this, okay? They were God's choice, okay? God's human vehicle to deliver the Messiah to the world for the redemption of all nations. Think about that. They were God's choice. They were the vehicle and not the destination. Israel was the vehicle and not the destination. We've got a lot of folk who, are, who really think they're the destination, and it makes for some really weird gatherings. It makes for some really weird churches. It makes for some really weird theology when we look at Israel in a wrong sort of way and we see them as the destination and not the vehicle, if you will, and it twists our thinking towards their gathering and it affects our gatherings. So it's important that when we come together, we come together with the right mission and the right framework in mind so that our gatherings are effective. That they were the vehicle and not the destination. So let us understand that. The Messiah to the world, the redemption of all the nations through the one nation, the Abrahamic covenant proves that. Did anybody hear that? Oh, okay. Is it his phone or something? All right, that's fine. <laughs> I didn't know if it was coming through our system. Um, so we find that the Abrahamic covenant shows this. God made a promise. God chose one dude. He's like, I'm going to make you the father of all many nations. They're going to be uh, so much that you can't number them. They're going to be like the stars in the sky, the sand on the seashore, right? So the vehicle to the nations, not the destination, but the vehicle. Do you believe that? Church, do you believe that, that Israel was that vehicle? They were uh, uh, that chosen uh, nation? So let's make a more meaningful connection. Oh, that's exactly what it is. They're doing worship downstairs. I'm like, man, that's a loud phone. <laughs> what is going on over there? Can we hit the silent button, please? 
Can we put it on vibrate? No, it's exactly what it is. It's downstairs. All right, they're having fun. God bless them. All right, so let's go deeper. You ready? Let's go just a little deeper. We established the fact that Israel was making, uh, they, they were this, this connection here, us to them. Uh, and God is doing something special here, um, but that, that's not all. So in the New Testament, if we were to, like, word study, gathering, congregation, these same words, and travel, uh, you know, a few thousand years ahead, we would see this. Acts 19.32, this says, Some therefore cried one thing, and some another for the, what's the next word? Assembly. It's the same, same kind of word, right? The assembly... Uh, was confused, and more part, knew not wherefore they would come together. Verse 39, just a few verses later, same chapter. But if they inquire anything concerning other matters, it shall be determined in a lawful assembly. Guess what? That's the same word, ecclesia, called out. What is a church? It's an ecclesia. Okay, well, it's also just a gathering. It's also just uh, meeting together and called out for a specific purpose. And this we see uh, in, in first century church was a problem, riots in Ephesus. There were gatherings, legal gatherings. This is in a secular sense, the same word used. Verse 41 in the same chapter. And when they had thus spoken, he dismissed the assembly. So not only is it just a, a word or a term used for a church gathering, but it's also just a collective gathering. So it's not enough for us to say, Uh, it's just a gathering of God's people and we get together and that's the important part of it is just us meeting together. Not, Not really, there's more to it, okay? So yes, we are to assemble. Yes, we are to gather. Uh, Oh wait, there's more. There is more. Uh, Romans 8, this is the wrong reference that I haven't fixed. Anyway, so in your Bible, in the book of Romans, it says this, for he is not a Jew. This is us going deeper, okay? us going deeper into the connection between Israel. And I'm not going to spend a whole long time on this. Uh, This would take like maybe a whole series in and of itself. Um, And there's a lot of stuff out there that you can research about this. Uh, The connection with the old covenant and the new covenant. Um, But uh, we'll kind of stay on top of the surface, if you will, for the sake of this message. Uh, But we'll continue. But this is a deeper connection, a deeper understanding to Israel and what they were doing and what God called them to do and who we are today. The title of the message, Why Gather? What is the purpose of this? A closer look into that. we got to start with Israel. Why? Because that's where they started. That's where the old covenant started. Before we came, they were doing this thing. If we only isolate, listen, if we isolate what we do as the church from the rest of history, we will err. We won't, it won't carry the full weight and understanding of why we're here. And without the why, we won't have the effective future that God wants us to have. We, we must go back to the roots, go back to the why, have a full, complete understanding, and then move forward with that. So a, a deeper thought here into that connection with Israel. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, Scripture says. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. So we we see here Paul addressing an issue, a specific issue. 
He, he says that when, when you gather, when you come together, when this thing pops off, we're going to see all nations come together. And what happened at Pentecost? What happened was, at this point, we have this split where it was a specific vehicle to get to a destination where one nation reaches what? All nations. And so we find that first century church, Paul and Peter and James and John, they were focused on this idea, some more than others, some correcting others, about this idea that it wasn't about the outside. It wasn't about a specific location. It wasn't about one way you look. It was the way you were created on the inside and or were renewed or recreated or a new creature. And so there, there's a transition that's happening. The, the rules of engagement have changed. And what was a congregation or, or a gathering that was based on their signs of how they looked on the outside, circumcision, how they were uh, positioned away from other nations, now that veil has been torn. It has been lowered. And now something is happening where now it's about the inside instead of the outside. And this transition is now about us going to other people them coming to us and there is this accepting of all nations and not just the ones who look like us act like us behave like us it's now about the inside than it is the what outside man for, for real yeah it's pretty cool isn't it yeah that's, i thought so too galatians let's go deeper right galatians 329 and if ye be Christ, this is more language that Paul is like, you need another book. You need a little bit more instruction on this. And if ye be Christ's, then ye are Abraham's what? I don't know of a more like direct way of saying it. Okay, guys. All right. And, you know, and he, I could see, like, him and Paul, they got the jousting. You know, they had big blow-up inflatables in first century church, too. And they had, like, jousting arenas, and Peter uh, it would get up on his with his pugil stick, and Paul would get on his, and they're like, look, if Peter goes down, then the Gentiles stay. If Paul goes down, the Gentiles are out. You know what I'm saying? And they would duke it out in first century church, and Paul won every time, and Peter would fall down, and he would be like, yeah, I'm ashamed. I wouldn't let Gentiles come over to my house. Just kidding. It didn't quite play out that way. But the point is... Is, is we had a, a problem. We had partiality. We had people thinking that they were better than others and that they were to keep more of the legalist, the law, the way that the Jews have kept the law for centuries. And they were about the Jews being the destination and not the vehicle, right? So we find that in this, Paul's like, look, let me just be clear. If you're Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to his promise. What? Like, yeah, check this out. The next one, Galatians 6, 15 through 16, I wrote down. Excuse me. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision. So those of you that think you're better just because of you know what, I mean, that's awkward. I mean, I'm glad we've come a little ways in our <laughs> belief system. All right, stand up if you're circumcised. You're not as good. Anyway, that's kind of, anyway. All right, we're moving on. Uh, <laughs> I just think it's weird, but you get it. I mean, these guys literally, they thought they were better because, yeah, you know what? Man, that's, a, that's, not, that's not what it's about. That doesn't avail anything, Paul says. But a new, uh, I lost my spot. 
but a new Israel of God. I'm sorry, but a new creature. There it is. But a new creature. So here, here we are. This is something that's happening on the inside. This is something that God is doing in your spirit. This is something that God is creating you from the inside out. Stop focusing on the outside, right? Let's go to another one. It gets better. 1 Peter 2.5. I have just a few more of these, and then we'll, then we'll get on with the message. 1 Peter 2.5. Um, before I do that, let me read verse 16. Sorry. And as many as walk according to this rule, Galatians, let's go back. Jose, I'm sorry, bro. I love you. Do you still love me? <laughs> Galatians 6.15, I'll read the first one. For in Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Got sidetracked on that one. It's about what's happening on the inside, not the outside. And as many as what? Walk according to this rule. Man, I about skipped over that. For y'all that get that and that live your life by that, I mean, we could just pull up a chair and talk, about, and talk about walking according to that rule for like the next hour. In fact, we're going to talk about it at one point in time, Miss Tanya. We've talked about it. How God made you and what you are on the outside, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't. And so if you're still stuck in this frame of mind that you as a physical person or a color or a race is better than someone else, you're not walking according to this rule. You're not walking according to this rule. It's not. The gospel, Israel was a vehicle to reach a destination. That destination involved every nation worshiping together. That's, that's how we're, that's the rule. And they were trying to change the rules. Look, let's not change the rule. This rule of all of us walking according to the inside and not the outside produces peace, produces mercy. What does our nation need right now? Peace, mercy. It needs the very things that would come if Christians would walk according to the rule that the law of Christ determines. Just saying. Anyway, that's not the message. i got to put my father's side chat back here, put my chair back, and move along with the message. As many walk according to that rule, peace be on them, mercy upon the Israel of God. 1 Peter 2.5, where I was headed a minute ago. Ye also, this is like next level, next level right here. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. Ye are a spiritual house. It sounds reminiscent as your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It kind of sounds that way, doesn't it? A spiritual house and a holy priesthood. What? Whatever you were tied to Israel, whatever you were tied to Jew that was like, yeah, we, we look at our office of our priesthood and we look at our traditions and we look at our systems. Gosh, if we aren't a church that worships our systems of theology. No, no, no. This is you. You are to be a spiritual house built up. You, are to, you understand that we have a high priest for us, Jesus Christ? I'm just saying to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Verse 9, look at verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. We got the peculiar part, don't we? <laughs> 
that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but have now obtained mercy. And it gets better. I'm about to have a fit. Revelation 1.6, check it. And hath made us kings and what? Priests, oh my goodness, unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. We can now see a rich connection. All of the outward things are now more meaningful because they have an inward position. But where are you? Have you been made a king or a priest? Have you been made a son and a daughter of the Most High God? Or are you still trying to live outwardly? Are you still trying to find significance? Are you still trying to define your worth by what you see in a mirror? Understand that God has come to even every generation to the nth degree. He's gone. He went the final mile, the cross. He's paid it all. There's not one sacrifice that needs to be done in one temple. There's not one person that can't go in their own heart to the God of all gods and surrender themselves and become a spiritual house and become someone who can be used by God for the purpose of the gospel destination. You feel me? That's where we're at. That I mean, that's good preaching. The word of God connects us with an eternal, historical purpose of why we gather that like emoji, you know what I mean? Mind blown. All right. We see they gathered. We see in the New Testament that they were no longer under the letter of the law, but a part of the law of Christ where we experience him and serve him in the context of our hearts. But do we still need each other? Here's the thing. I mean, I'm going to be real with you, right? A lot of people come up for air on that point, and I've heard this a lot. I got all I need. I got my Bible, my prayer time, you know what I'm saying? I just meet with the Lord wherever. I don't need to go to church. How many of you have heard that? I don't need to go to church. Shoot. Good, yo. <laughs> Sorry. I'll use another accent next time. <laughs> I'll be fair. Here's, here's the thing. It's, it's like, I, I mean, if I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. I don't need the church. There you go. Here's another one. How's it going? And everything like it. We'll go deep south on it. <laughs> I, just, I just think like, I mean, it's super arrogant, right? But the point is, is there are people that they have centuries of tradition. And where they've come up for air on this thing is that they're a royal priesthood. And they can go to God on their own. And they can pray. And they've totally missed the gathering altogether. Come on and tell me we don't struggle with this in America right now. Tell me we haven't seen it. Like, it's Sarah and I, like, we were like, yeah, COVID, it's serious, and you have to take it seriously, but the church is officially using this as an excuse. Like we needed another excuse, right, as the church. I mean, hangnails were enough to keep us out of service. A pandemic, I mean, there's some of them we know we're not going to see them for 10 years. Well, you know, there was a case in Zimbabwe. or <laughs> Like, we do not prioritize the gathering. Why? Because we feel like it's internal, and so we go, the pendulum swings too far. 
You read those scriptures and you think, well, no, okay, we're good. <laughs> Got it. Don't need y'all. No, you do need y'all. James 2.2, and we continue down the path of why we gather, okay? You, you walking with me? You still tracking? Some of y'all are ready for lunch, I can tell. We still got a couple minutes. James 2.2, 2, for if there come unto your assembly. All right, all right. There's, a, there's one for the gathering. We're, we're coming together. Even though you're a royal priesthood, even though you're doing this in your heart, even though this is a personal thing, it's also now a what? Collective thing still. Still. So, for if there come unto your assembly. Now, we'll pull up right there just real quick. Assembly, congregation, gathering, ecclesia, same word. Now, it's not a secular sense. This is talking about the spiritual sense, physical church sense, okay, in that context, which is James, really. And we've gone through that book together here. So, we know this is talking to the church. Could also say synagogue there. Like, it carries that, that weight. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come and also a poor man in vile raiment, and I'll stop right there, he goes on to say, don't show partiality. Don't be that person. And that's not what today's message is about. But I feel like we do fairly well at Bethlehem. Like, it doesn't matter where you come from, who you are. Like, we're going to roll out the red carpet, the same treatment for everybody. Um, and that's how it should stay. But the point is, is we have a, a New Testament verse here where they're talking about the gathering and they're saying like, look, you shouldn't be showing any partialities in your gathering. So they're meeting, they're coming together. They're still gathering. They've been gathering for thousands of years. Hebrews 10, 25. And this is, I'm gonna read, if you have your Bibles, uh, open up and go to um, a few verses before that. And this is where we're going to stay the rest of the service. Hebrews 10, 25 is the verse that's on the screen. But I'm going to read a few verses before that as well. Hebrews 10, 25. So we're going to go verses 19 through 25. And that's what we're going to focus on today in this thing of why gather. And then we're going to go eat lunch. Okay. Hebrews 10, let's go to verse 19 if you have your Bibles. It's not on the screen. 1025 will be, but verse 19 in your scripture. Oh, is it? Oh, he, dude, you're such, Jose is the man. You are awesome. He fixes it. Having therefore brethren, what's it say? Boldness. To enter into the holiest of the blood of Jesus by a new and living way. This is going to have a lot of language that we've already talked about. We've already laid the groundwork for kind of what he's talking about. Okay? So, by the blood of Jesus, a new, they that be in Christ are what? New creatures. Living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw what? Near. With a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. And our bodies washed with pure water. Let us what? Hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And let us what? Consider one another. To provoke and to love and, and to good works. Not what? 
forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So that's it. We're going to stay right there in that pocket where, where the writer of Hebrews, probably Apollos, and I think I said on the live, oh yeah, it was like Paul or something, and Sarah's like, that was, the prophetess told me, that, that's like not even an option, Matt. <laughs> anyway, so whoever wrote this book, he is being super specific, Pacific. <laughs> He's being super specific about everything that we've talked about thus far, and he, he like wraps it up and he puts a bow on it. So that's where we're going to draw three points today on why we gather. And we're going to really wrap it all up, okay? Gathering is good. Gathering is encouraged. And gathering is commanded. Do you understand? I mean, it's there. Do you see it in the text we just read? And I know I'm preaching this to the people who are actually gathered, so that stinks. <laughs> Everybody who needs to hear this isn't gathered right now. But thank God for Facebook. They'll see it next week. So here, here are the three, the three points that I see that I want to lift up here and I want to throw three holy fits because they get me really excited and then that's it. All right, why gather? What is this journey through the text? What has it shown us? Well, it shows us, number one, that we have a purpose that requires everyone. Church, we have a purpose that requires everyone. What, what purpose? Well, Thanks for asking. Gathering is essential for us to engage in our purpose. Well, you didn't read any verses about purpose. You're right. Here they are. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, have commanded you, have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. That's like where we are now, even unto the end. So between when he ascended and the end, I don't care what your eschatological timeline is, we're in that portion of, 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 of time where you went up and you're like, yo, the Holy Spirit's going to come and it's going to happen and it's for a purpose and that purpose, Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses. Like in that word, we've talked about it before, it's a legal witness. You're going to be put on the stand and declare that Jesus is innocent. You are his legal representation as the whole world condemns him. The gospel tells us that he was right and they were wrong. That's what the Holy Spirit is going to lead us to do. We are witnesses. The, the Lord wants to lead you up to the stand and declare on the world's behalf that Jesus was innocent. And that everything he did was for you and for me. We're to be witnesses. Luke 24, 46 through 47. And he said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it is behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. The vehicle for another destination. The destination to all nations. Number one. Number one. We have a purpose that requires everyone. If you think that you don't need the church to accomplish the Great Commission, then you're not reading the Bible. 
How are you going to do that on your own? There is specific gospel ministry work that each of you need to do, but we all make up a collective purpose, a collective gathering for a larger purpose that the church has to accomplish. This is a little bit of like logical common sense here, but we have a purpose that requires everyone. Not, not one of us can accomplish the Great Commission without all of us. We need each other for this purpose. Christians that I talk with that are struggling, that are maybe in depression, struggling to find purpose, here it is. This is it. Our whole lives are a vehicle for gospel purpose. All of the suffering that we endure is fellowship, like Paul said, that we have with Christ's suffering to lead others around us to the gospel, to Jesus. We have purpose in our suffering. We have purpose in our health issues. We have purpose in our loss. We have purpose in our tragedy. We all, excuse me, <laughs> we all have a purpose that requires everyone. Here's the second thing, expressly in this text. We have a process that requires everyone. Number one, we have a purpose that requires everyone. The church was commissioned. But number two, we have a process that requires everyone. Look at verse 24 there in Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us, what does it say? Consider. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to what? Good works. Verse 24. Look at it. Look at verse 24. And let us consider who? One another to provoke unto love and a good work. So the first thing, we have a purpose that requires everyone. The second thing, we have a process that requires everyone. For someone to say, yeah, I can just do church at my house. Yeah, it's good. I'm getting everything I need, you know, me and God. Me and God. That's like the one-liner, me and God. We're good. How are you going to do that? Where are you at with verse 24? Well, uh, I mean, you and your dog can't do that. I mean, I'm just being real. Like, we, we got to strip this thing down. We, we've lost our way. <laughs> the, the American church has lost our spiritual minds completely. We, we have redefined until we've redefined until we're blue in the face, until we're left all by ourselves to define what we think good looks like. You know, good is what the Bible says it is. And if gathering is supposed to be each of us loving each other and promoting and exhorting one another to good works, then we need to gather. We, we can't, listen, we have to do what's safe. I understand that. But there has to come a time where we do what's right. So we cannot become complacent during a time of safety. We have to understand what is right is right. And as soon as we're able, you hear this Facebook, as soon as we're able to do this, it needs to be in person. Why? Because verse 24, and let us consider one another. You know, there's only so much you can do through a text message. 
And you can do a lot through a text message. You can do a lot through a phone call. We do what we have to when we have to. But church, we have to understand that as, as the children of Israel, we're gathering and congregating for centuries, for millennia. And as that nation brought it to the rest of nations, God had a plan. God said that I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. We cannot redefine what Jesus defined. We cannot redefine what he has said this. This is my plan, and my plan requires everyone. You cannot do on your own what Jesus said requires multiple people to do. You ain't Superman, and you're not Jesus. You need each other. Here was my thought along this. Love and good works, verse 24, is something that you should not, and I submit, cannot do on your own. Gathering is essential to engage in our purpose the gospel mandate. Gathering is essential for our individual work. We have a church today that believes that they can do everything they need to do themselves. You can't. It's not possible. I can't even just do it with my wife. I have to be in this environment. I have to be around my connect group. I have to be around God's people. I have to. Why? Because love and good works. It doesn't happen... No, you're, you're, you're reading into that. All right, sure. Look at the very next verse. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. I'm not, take, I'm not reading into it. It says it right there, doesn't it? Plain as day. Here's the last thing. Number one, we have a purpose that requires everyone. Number two, we have a process that requires everyone. Considering each other to love and good works. Number three. We have a plan, and this is kind of different, but I just see it in the text, so I, I just, I'm just stating it the way that it is. We have a plan that needs reliving. Number three, we have a plan that needs reliving. Here's what I see here in verse 25. Gathering is essential for our spiritual clarity. Gathering is not only essential for our purpose, for the plan of helping each other, but it's also essential for us to have spiritual clarity. Now, let's just be real for a minute. This is it. I'm shutting her down, circling the wagons, you know. How many can be honest with the Lord and say, I've really struggled with spiritual clarity through this whole thing. I feel like when I look at what I feel like God wants me to do, I'm seeing double vision. I don't know whether to go left. I don't know whether to go right. I just, I don't know what good looks like anymore. How many struggle with that? I mean, can you be real? Yeah. I, I just, sometimes the path isn't clear. Let me submit to you. When the path isn't as clear as it should be, you should be gathering more and not less. I think there's a lot of people right now in the church that are struggling with spiritual clarity because we've been gathering a lot less. So number one, chill. As we gather more, guess what? More clarity is going to come. More Holy Spirit moving and speaking is going to happen. So, so bank on that. But look at 25. Look at it again. Here's, here's where I got this. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye, what does it say? See the day approaching. Say it with me. As ye see the day approaching. When we don't, I, I'm telling you, this is just, woo -hoo. 
when we don't forsake the assembly, we see the day of Christ more and more and more. If I forsake it, if I walk away from it, if I prioritize my life, if I prioritize the things that I want to do, the personal, individual stuff over the gathering, what I'm seeing is my plan. What I'm seeing is what I want. What I'm seeing is my goals and my career. But when I gather, when I assemble, when I submit, when I consider others, I see the day approaching. I have spiritual clarity like never before. My heart breaks for the church that just can't see it. It doesn't matter how much they look, they've isolated themselves so much from the people of God, from the message of God, from the purpose, from the plan, they just don't see it. All they see is their hurt. All they see is their suffering. And Paul says, I have fellowship in my sufferings. There is great power in his resurrection. Did anyone see it clearer than the Apostle Paul? I don't think so. Maybe John on the Isle of Patmos. I see it. Woo. About it. But you get my point. When we gather, we see the day approaching. We have to gather. Why? Because we have a plan that needs reliving. We have a Bible, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the what? And the end. So just check this. We know how it ends. I really don't care. I mean, I've said that I'm picking on people because of a podcast I listened to last night. But I really don't care what your system is of eschatology, how you think it's going to play out. What matters is at the end, Jesus wins. His kingdom's established forever and ever, right? Every nation, every tribe, every tongue. So how we get there, I'm not really concerned. I'm focused on that day as, as I... I see that day approaching. And, and I just feel like we have a, a Bible, man, the word of God that allows us, watch this, to relive the ending over and over and over again. But yet we're reliving today's problems over and over and over again. We're reliving the past failure. I made that mistake when I was 18. I made that that pro if I hadn't done that, if I had just taken that job, if I had, we got Christians that are living under the thumb of Satan through shame, fear, and guilt. And God's like, I gave you something to live in my victory over and over and over and over again. But you don't gather. You don't come together and consider one another and exhort one another. You hear that Facebook over and over because why? If you forsake it, then you won't relive it. You'll just be living in your own stuff. Gosh, it's so simple. It's so simple, but yet so profound. We need to tear this gathering thing apart and look at why we do it. There's three really good reasons, and there's about a bazillion others through Scripture. I just gave you three from one text. We could have parked anywhere. We got to gather. We got a purpose that is beyond us. It needs the whole. We have a plan that if, and if, you guys are my, you're here, so you're my police, okay? If you hear anyone in our church say, I don't really need to gather to get you, right here, just slap them. <laughs> Pastor Matt told me. <laughs> but it, just kidding, don't hit them. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to edit this out of my sermon, so it's not going live, so it's on you. <laughs> 
Here's my point. Here's my point. Like, exhort them. Tell them, not, I'm sorry, I love you, but that's not true. We need each other. You may think that you're like Gospel Gary, but you're not. You need each other. I need one for Karen. I need like a Karen, like Gospel Gary. I need one for Karen. That would work well. Y'all think about that and let me know. I'll use it in next week's message. So, anyway, the point is, we need, we need to do what we know we should be doing right here. And we of all people should have clarity about the times right now, the church. So stop whining, stop complaining, see the day approaching. Let's get focused on what we know and stop worrying about all the things we don't know. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we love you.